This is the No More Wasted Days podcast, and we're your hosts, Sarah Kaufman Bradstreet and Heather PG. Grab your favorite NA drink and listen as we share vulnerable stories so you never feel alone on your alcohol-free journey. And gain insights from us as we break down our most used tips and strategies that have kept us alcohol-free. It's time to break free from wasting any more of your days to the drinking blackout hangover cycle. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Wasted Days podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heather. And I'm your other host, Sarah Kaufman Bradstreet. We are going to talk about trauma today on the podcast. Before we get started, I want to invite y'all to join the Daymakers community. Check out the link in the show notes. There's six to eight meetings a month, a Telegram thread off of social media, and we would love to have y'all in the community. Yes, we would. Like Heather says, come join us yeah. because we're a fun community. And I will say that it's a community that is active. People are posting in there all the time. People are at all different levels on their journey, and there really is no shame. We accept everybody on all different levels of their alcohol-free journey. So go check out the link in the show notes and decide if it's right for you. Yeah. And you can do a one-week trial just to decide. Yeah. Come on, y'all. And I also want to give an update on my Sour Patch Kid journey. Yes. It's been an ongoing, we're getting to hear about it. So I think people are wanting to hear. So I had a relapse, if you will, and now they're all out of the house. I think I'm on day four again. Good. And did you use it like a data collecting moment? That's what we always kind of talk about in the Daymakers community. Don't look at it as a failure. Look at it as a learning moment. Yeah, I learned a lot. Um, Yeah, I learned that it's really addictive. I was talking to a friend of mine from childhood yesterday, and she said she had tried to quit sugar before. It was truly like a drug. It was really hard. Yeah, sugar is hard. And it's really hard because it's something that, like, you're not going to get pulled over by the police and be arrested because you had too much sugar. And you're probably not going to lose your job because you ate too much sugar. I say probably because, you know, you never know. But it's just, it doesn't feel as life-threatening as alcohol. And I know that's how all transfer addictions are for us. I know for me, the thing with a transfer addiction is that it's, it still puts you in that headspace that you are in with your alcohol use. And for me, that's a really uncomfortable feeling when I am there, when I'm craving something that's not alcohol, because at this point, I don't crave alcohol. It is just when I'm in that moment, and I know I feel itchy, as they say, and I know it's because I want something. Yeah. But now you're ready. You've got them all out of your house. Yes. Now you can tackle those little kids. Yes. One day at a time, right? I totally had this addict moment for you. We had those little sour worm trolleys. And I was like, oh, she could just eat these. And I was like, no, that is like. (laughs) You're enabling me. That's like, I know, don't have them. Do not have them. They will not help. But we've been doing our house build, not our house build. We're doing that too. Not very often right now because we're in the middle of moving. And this weekend, we're actually going to be driving to our old house that's three hours away, getting all the stuff out of it. We have the the moving truck all reserved from U-Haul. We've got friends lined up to help us. And I say I'm feeling really good. 
except for yesterday, I had to just cry it out in the car for a second, which was kind of, I don't know, kind of funny, kind of interesting. I looked at Ryan and I just said, I just need to cry. And then I just started to, and he just sat there and waited. And then he goes, do you want me to go get your Valentine's candies? And I was like, do you really have some for me? Oh, he was like, yes. And he came out of the yurt with a giant Russell Stover's chocolate heart box. And we sat in the car and ate some candy. And then he put it away. I was like, now you need to put it away so you can give it to me on Valentine's Day. <laughs> but it was definitely it was definitely a moment. And I even looked at him at one point. And I said, I'm, I hate doing all this sober. I I wish I could go numb out. I wish I could just shut off my brain right now. And he was very, he was helpful. He was like, what do you want to do? You want to drink or are you wanting to smoke some weed? What's your deal? And I was like, I just want to smoke because I know it would just be my instant. Like I have no urge to drink really anymore because I don't remember what it did to me. I just remember all the really bad stuff it did to me. And I was very much like, Ugh. and he was like, it'll help you for five minutes. And then you'll be anxious. Then you'll be paranoid. Then you'll be upset with yourself. And I was like, okay. So I had some chocolate. Way to go. Oh, I got through it, man. It's those little moments. So if you're if you're ever watching Heather and I being like, it's so easy. I mean, I was in the car yesterday telling my husband that I didn't want to be sober. I didn't want a raw dog life for this moment. I was like, this is too hard. This is just too much right now. But this morning, I'm feeling great. I'm so ready to move. We've totally got it all under control. Morning time, Sarah is like ready to conquer the world every day. It's 4.30 p.m., Sarah. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference in like 7.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m., Heather. Yes. Sure. I'm not quite sure they're the same person or making the same decisions. I know. Honestly, they really are like I am just ready to tackle every single thing in the morning. And I am not afraid of it. I don't feel overwhelmed by it. And then by, by the witching hour, by the time when I used to drink... I am like, nope, <laughs> I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't care about making healthy choices. I don't care about doing the thing that I said I was going to do this morning. So, but we're pushing through and I'm very excited about today's topic because I know Heather is very schooled in this topic and it can offer a lot of things and I've gotten to, to peek at the notes and you are going to get some great information. So we'll stop babbling and get into the topic so you can take some strategies away from today's podcast. So I like to define things. Trauma is when we experience very stressful, frightening events that are difficult, out of our control. And just so you know, it can be really isolating and ongoing. Trauma can make us feel like as if we are to blame feelings of shame, guilt, anxiety, grief, and depression. And it can actually affect your brain and receptors for dopamine and serotonin. That was really interesting when I read that, because if you know anything too about addiction, it's that all of the things we're doing, all of the little things where we seek pleasure are because we're wanting to get some dopamine hits, some serotonin hits. So how do you know how it affects your dopamine receptors and serotonin? Does it deplete them? I think it depletes them. And I don't think that they regenerate. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So then, and then if you're drinking on top of that, you are making your dopamine receptors just be a hot mess. Yeah. yeah. 
So when you think about types of trauma, I think a lot of people only think about childhood or like physical abuse. Mm-hmm. So there's physical, mental, emotional, environmental, occupational, generational. You know, it could be a result of unmet needs in childhood or your adult life, financial, long-term stress, illnesses, surgery, jails, addiction, death of friends and family, like postpartum depression and pandemics. Yeah. So it's so many. I think people think of trauma as like when we hear it, often we're like, oh, it's you had one giant thing happen in your life. And and to put in there too, like pandemics, all of us, the whole world had trauma Mm -hmm. not too long ago. We're still recovering from it. Yeah. And there's news related trauma. I studied after 9-11 in college, I did like a study on media-related depression. So there is news-related trauma, too. If you watch a lot of news, mm. you know, seeing those graphic images. That's so interesting. I don't watch news. Do you watch news? No. I don't at all. Like, I really steer clear from it. My husband is a, he's into the political side of news, so he fills me in in that area. And if there's something I feel like I want to research, I do. But otherwise, I cannot do news. And I know I hate to say that because I feel like I should be informed. I want to be informed, but it is a little bit too much. It's like I'm just trying to raise my humans and keep my family safe and keep me safe. Yeah. Martha loves NPR, so I rely on her to share news. NPR comes at you in a more gradual pace than NBC, CBS, Fox News. I feel like all those are too, they're so fear mongering Mm -hmm. that on whichever side you're on but my parents will often send me articles and I'm like this is from your this is from your news yeah (laughs) which is on very one side so (laughs) I think when we look at symptoms of trauma from being easily startled you know tension feeling on edge difficulty concentrating mood swings anger risky behavior Memory issues, headaches, self-harm, suicide, suicidal ideations, attempts, obsessive-compulsive tendencies, panic episodes, paranoia. I mean, it's, it's pretty symptomatic. It really is. I know, and all of those, too, can be symptoms for other things, so I feel like it is easy for you to say, oh, no, it's not that. It's not some deep trauma that I need to work through or light trauma that I need to work through. Yeah. And when I look at them too, a lot of them are symptoms of addiction, mm-hmm. symptoms of drinking. Even when I think about, oh yeah, I had mood swings and yeah. I had memory issues when I was drinking, headaches, all those things, obsessive compulsive tendencies to try to keep my drinking under wraps and under control. Do you think that just the um, being a drinker for years on end causes trauma. Mm-hmm. Your use can give you like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. I confirmed that with one of okay. my therapists when I first quit drinking. I was just curious. And she said, absolutely. You know, from using alcohol itself and the experiences that you have. That's so interesting. Post-traumatic stress disorder. It's not just for folks who have been in combat. I think that's something that we often think about. And then there's secondary PTSD, witness traumas such as ER staff, ICU, social work, 
I used to teach physicians at the trauma hospital that I used to work at about secondary PTSD. We tried to like debrief at the end of a long shift if we'd have um, shootings or like major car wrecks come through and just really try to bring awareness to the providers on that. So they know it's coming and that's something to really be aware of. I know when I taught, just taking home students' emotions was hard for me. That was one of the things I was very happy to leave behind with teaching is it was hard to take on what I knew what was happening at some students' homes and, you know, the hard issues that parents were going through and just having the inside scoop was not always something I wanted. It's very helpful when you're working with kids, but sometimes it's really hard to take on and now kind of hearing that going, oh, well, that's PTSD that you can be walking around with if you are a medical provider or some sort of care provider. I know you and I have talked about the fact that And maybe it's because I was a teacher, you worked in social work, so we're just more aware of it. But I always feel like people are like, oh, I'm a teacher and my drinking has gotten out of hand. Oh, I'm a nurse and my drinking is just out of hand. It's almost that self-diagnosis to a very stressful job. My oldest niece, she's like my kid, even though she's 31, she's a teacher. And we just had this conversation last week about, you know, absorbing the the traumas and like the kids that have pretty bad home lives and are food insecure Mm -hmm. and she has a big heart. That's what you were talking about that. That stuff is hard. Yeah. Then there's complex PTSD. This is usually a combination of multiple past and current traumas. Most often started, started in childhood. And so it's like your caregivers were had mental health struggles, substance use, even from like an attachment perspective, like how we are attached to Mm. our caregivers or lack thereof. Yeah. Can create CPTSD. It's a lot of acronyms. I can see. Mm -hmm. I can see all of that. So I know two people, maybe you're going to talk about this a little bit later down, but I've heard the term thrown around by Gabby Bernstein. I don't know if she's coined it or if it's just something that's everywhere, like big T trauma, small T trauma, because it's something I talk about with my kids. I'm kind of like, I know it is trauma, but it's small T trauma. That's not your big T trauma. I'm sorry. (laughs) But is that something you've heard? Is it actually a thing? Yeah, it's definitely a thing. I'm not sure who coined it. I think when we think of big traumas, you know, you'll think about, um, I'll just use some of my own, like my dad passed away, my first love passed away like a year and a half before, and then cancer diagnosis, the pandemic, um, yeah. the little T traumas, things that come to my mind are like, if you're in a minor car accident or maybe a, a smaller natural disaster. That makes sense. Okay. I feel like I was thinking small T traumas were even more, I don't know, I think sometimes when my kids will talk about things and place the word trauma on it, I feel like it's a word that's thrown around a little too easily. And maybe it's more that it's like, no, you you just experienced a life stress. Yeah. Like, and it's going to linger for a little while. I feel like it's become a word yeah. that everybody uses quite freely right now. Yeah. Myself included. Yeah. We have a kind of a joke, and you should not joke about trauma, but we have a joke in our house called it's the trauma response because mm-hmm. Martha does 
psych nursing. She works at a detox facility and I've done social work for a long time. So that's it's a common word for you guys in your in your vocabulary for sure. So I think an interesting way of looking at like addiction, addiction is an attempt to solve the problem and most often often rooted in trauma. And our traumas, Mm -hmm. they don't go away, unfortunately, but we can learn how to live and cope with them. Like the ways that we can live and cope with them, EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization repetition. I actually just started that yesterday. And I'm so interested to hear how it goes for you. Yeah, I hear it's life changing and I'm here for it. Yeah, that's what I've heard from people. Mm -hmm. I am here for it. So EMDR. Mm -hmm. And did you, your, it seems like your therapist is very schooled in all of the 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 newest methods that maybe people are talking about on social media or whatnot. So did you, or did you just reach out to a brand new therapist for EMDR? So you have to be specialized to do EMDR. So I got a referral mm-hmm. from one of my therapists. Okay. Yeah. And I could do it virtually. And oh wow, she lives, my new therapist lives in the city that we used to live in. And that's kind mm-hmm. of a far drive. And you know, we live in the country, so I don't know like how many like specialized therapies therapists there are here. So mm-hmm. started that yesterday. So. You'll have to keep us posted on how it goes if you don't no. mind sharing. I don't it. mind. And that there's internal family systems, IFS. I've also done that. It's really helpful. And you learn so much about your protector parts and the reason why you do certain things that you do. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's like I have visualization tools. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's one that I've just done research on on my own. And from what I've read, tried to start doing it a little bit to myself. And it's very, very cool to look back and think, oh, this is a learned behavior because I had to do this so often as a child that I think I need to protect myself from this thing, which I no longer need to protect myself from, or even getting a mental image of where did drinker Sarah originate? What was she trying to solve? And I always go back and see teenage me when I think about it. And I'm like, oh, that's, it's so interesting. It's also, I feel like just kind of cool to see your parts in different ways and go, oh, that's just the teenager in me still trying to fit in, still trying to be totally different than everybody. There were so many different parts of me that I was just trying to work out in those young years. Yeah. So I'm, that's what I'm very interested in. Yeah, I highly recommend it. We learned a good bit about it in my life coach training. Of course, I can't do it. I'm not a therapist. So I don't want to mm-hmm. be a therapist. <laughs> yeah, you do need to, we should put a disclaimer. You do need to find a therapist for all these things. Reading about it is great and implementing some of the practices. But if you are like, oh, I really want to take a deep dive on one of these things, Start looking up therapists that are specialized in this and talk to your insurance and see if you can get some of it covered. And it's a great thing. And like psychology today is a good resource if you're looking for a therapist to do one of these type of treatments or modalities. So Mm -hmm. I think, too, when we we look at ways to cope, we want to avoid substances. I can tell you from true lived experience that it does not help. It does make it worse. And you want to spend time with friends and family who you really trust, who are supportive. I thought about you, Sarah, like maintain your routines, you know, meals, exercise, sleep, practice mindfulness, 
and just try to focus on what you can manage and just maybe tell yourself in those moments, I was doing the best that I knew how to do. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah, that goes almost into like the forgiving your drinking self when you are going, why did I try to self-medicate? Like, why did why was I trying to do that? You don't have to do all the why and shame yourself. You can just say, it's the tool that I had. It's the tool that I chose to try. And I have found out now that it did not work. And I do want to take a moment to recommend Push Off From Here by Laura McCowan. It's her second book, and it is based on trauma and addiction. It's got workbook components and like real life stories of folks that she interviewed and actually knows. And mm-hmm. any material by Gabor Mate. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly with my accent. He's a really cool Canadian medical doctor who's been, he's like me, he did hospice. He's, he's done a lot of different things and he's got some good books, I think four books and he's on a lot of podcasts too. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for those resources. I think they'll be super helpful to people. And I think it is always, you know, you can always just listen to books too and absorb what you're absorbing at that moment. And then decide if that's something you want to take a deeper dive into. But I don't know how many people I have on the internet ask me, what happened to you that made you drink so much? Like there's one huge traumatic thing that they're wanting to hear. And I'm always like, I don't have, I do not have a defining moment. I am sorry to disappoint some people. But I, and, and when I was a brand new sober person, I was like, you know, I don't even, there was no reason for my drinking, yada, yada, yada. It was just me being a normal 20-year-old that started drinking and it just escalated. But as I take a deeper dive, I can see repetitive patterns in my drinking. And through my recovery, I've been able to say, okay, this is something that triggers me. So don't write off trauma as this like, oh, well, that doesn't even affect me because I was that person, which is the more I learn about myself in very early sobriety is like, oh, I was so, so in my head, so ego driven. And so like, I just really didn't want to have a drinking problem. <laughs> I always go back to that. I just didn't want to have a problem with alcohol. So I was trying to say everything to make it not true for myself. And then I started being like, you know what? It's totally okay to have a problem with alcohol and it's totally okay to seek how to fix it. Yeah. I think it's a lot of collective, maybe small traumas with some big traumas. And I know it sounds scary, but I think it's really noteworthy and key for truly a push-off point to to maybe have some long-term sobriety from alcohol. Yeah. And if you really do start doing the work and learning what your things were, and maybe they were big things, maybe they were small things, but when you really start to learn, it's actually, it makes it easier. As hard as that, as crazy as that sounds, because you don't, sometimes we just don't want to talk about those hard things. But when you start to go, oh, maybe it was this, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's something I can learn from. And that's something I can keep moving forward with. Yeah. So I want to also invite you all to take a look at the link in the show notes. And I've got some spots in my one-on-one coaching. I am not a trauma therapist. I can help you find a therapist. But if you want to to work one-on-one together, check it out. Definitely. She'll help you work out some ways to actually start finding those things that stuck out stuck out for you. And why did you quit drinking? Because I think that's a really loaded question for people. Like, why did you drink? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. 
it's really fun. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, I have to do some work and find it. And Heather can help you find that and really start making a plan on how to tackle those issues when they come yeah. up. Yeah. I think when you hear the words come out of your mouth, you know, to a safe space, a private space, you start connecting dots and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you have a lot of aha moments. So in terms of coping with some of these traumas or the symptoms, I found this emotional regulation technique called STOP, S-T-O-P. So when we're taking a look at this exercise, if you will, you want to, the S, just pause for a moment. T, take a breath. Notice your breathing as you move in and out and just observe. What thoughts are going through your mind? Where is your attention? What are you what are you focusing on? And then yeah. you'll want to notice what are what are you reacting to? And what sensations do you notice in your body? And I have observed personally and watching and talking to other people, folks who are trauma sur- trauma survivors like me, we don't we don't feel a whole lot in our body at first. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to pay attention. And then the P, pull back, put in some perspective. What's the bigger picture? Take the helicopter view. What is another way of looking at the situation? What would a trusted friend say to me right now? Is this thought a fact or an opinion? What is more? What is a more reasonable explanation? And then how important is this? How important will this be? In six months time. That's my favorite one to use on myself. Mm-hmm. Like the, I won't even remember this moment in six months. That's a good one. When I thought I was on death's bed with COVID, Heather was one of the people I hopped on a, a daymakers just check on check in call. And it was Heather and one other good friend from the community. And I totally said, I'm not even going to remember this. Or I'm going to look back and go, I was being such a big baby. <laughs> But I had the COVID blues, guys. It was, it felt, it felt very bad. It felt much, much worse than it was. But I will say that in six months time past it, now it's been years, a year past that. I feel like, wow, that was not a big deal. And I was really blowing it proportion a little bit in that moment. And that helped me for sure, kind of stepping back and going, this isn't going to be a big deal. But there is one more P to stop, isn't there? Yes. I like the ones where they add another letter. So the P, practice what works and proceed. What is the best thing to do right now for me, for others, for the situation? What can I do that fits with my values? And try to do what will be effective and appropriate. I like that. Uh, And then how does it fit in with your values? Go back to the values episode and really... Listen to that. If you're experiencing some trauma, some heavy stuff, that's a great episode to work with and go, you know, okay, now I know where I, I want to live my life. How does this fit into that? Definitely. And I think like these cognitive behavioral therapies and STOP, which I think is from dialectal behavioral therapy, I think these are really good ways to cope with trauma also, obviously. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be you know, maybe as intense as EMDR or IFS, but DBT, CBT, it's all therapy I think can be helpful to you. And a lot of times too, I think people think it has to be this intense thing, like, oh, if it's going to work. Sometimes it really is going back to the basics. 
the things that maybe we didn't learn in school that we really needed to. Yeah. Or depending on your parents, maybe they didn't know how to do this stuff, so they weren't able to teach it to you. Yeah. Or maybe you were a surly teenager and you didn't want to hear it. Yeah. So just to recap, we talked about what is trauma, the types of trauma, symptoms of trauma, the PTSD, CPTSD, secondary PTSD. And then you can use STOP, which is, you know, just to briefly recap that, take a pause, take a breath, observe, pull back, put in some perspective, and practice what works and proceed. There's so many good acronyms out there for just helping you remember what to do in a hard situation. And the more I learn, it's it's just, there's such great tools. So put STOP into your your playbook. Write it down. Put it in your the notes of your phone. So when you are feeling trigger, whatever, having a craving, feeling like there's a person in your family that causes trauma to you and it's happening, look at it and remember what stop is and go through these steps. That's a great suggestion because when we're really stressed or triggered, we don't usually remember like that's what I need to do. You know? No, you never remember. And not everybody has a husband sitting in the car with them. As they're crying, like I did yesterday, to go, well, what should we do? Right. I was like, I needed that because he was doing the, this really isn't going to be a big deal. Like in three months, we're going to be past all this. And I was like, I know. So it is kind of, it's so hard too when you are in that space, that angry space. It's hard to even want to do the thing. So having a little acronym to help you out is a great tool. Yeah. Because I use, I'm going to put this one in my playbook, but I have a few others that I'm saving because I'm totally like, oh, we need to have a podcast episode on all the acronyms. Yeah, I agree. That concludes our episode on trauma. Let us know what you think. Make sure to leave us a rating, a review, share this with a friend or a loved one, and tag us on social media. We'd love to hear what you think about the episode, and we really appreciate you listening and for all your support. Thank you so much for constantly listening. I love getting the comments saying, I love the podcast because, you know, me and Heather are just quietly recording this in our own spaces, talking into yeah. the computer screen to each other. So it's really cool to hear that it's yeah. helping people. I actually got a text out of the blue yesterday from an old childhood friend that said, our Feeling the Feelings episode helped her so much about oh gosh, other so stuff, cool. not alcohol related, but other stuff going on in her life. So it yeah. makes me feel really That is awesome. I love that. Yeah. And write us a review, guys. We'd love to read them. And thank you so much for listening. All right.